Audio Conversation with Fred Burks, recorded Wednesday, October 19th, 2011. I first met Fred uh, at a UFO conference in Laughlin, Nevada, and spent some time sitting with him and just talking about some things that I'd noticed in in people that I had talked to, people who are uh, who claim the abduction phenomena. Fred does most of his work around the mind control issues that have arisen out of uh, the MK Ultra documentation that came out in the mid-1970s. He is a very dedicated and, uh, and interesting guy. One of the things that we did not get into, which I will uh, encourage you, anyone listening, to, to look into through some YouTube videos, which I will post on this uh, on the show notes here is uh, Fred had a had a previous career um, spent 19 years working for the Department of State working as an interpreter uh, he speaks Indonesian and he spent a lot of time doing um, what amounted to high level meetings uh, for the federal government uh, interpreting directly for Bill Clinton and uh, George Bush Jr., as well as uh, Condoleezza Rice and Dick Cheney. A very odd transition took place, and and presently he's doing research as well as trying to put the word out publicly on the very strange reports of mind control and how they... Uh, and how um, breakaway government factions have been using this as some sort of dark tool. It is some, it's very, very frightening stuff. I will also add that Fred is, is quite a spiritual guy and, and manages to take this dark, dark information and, and spin it in a way that um, hopefully there's a level of optimism that can come out of this. And I know that might seem hard to wrap your mind around, given the dark uh, claims that come from the people who report these mind control events. That said, we had an extremely lively conversation. Uh, it, it played out much more like a conversation and much less like a formal interview, and I think both Fred and I enjoyed that greatly. Uh, the information in here uh, gets very weird, and um, it does have an overlap into the UFO phenomena, which, which both of us can't quite make sense of. Let me also add that Fred is a very busy guy. He publishes a series of websites. One of them, the main website, is called wanttoknow.info, and that's spelled out in one word just like it sounds, wanttoknow.info. He also has another website with a much more spiritual focus called transformationteam.net. Both of these will be linked on the show notes. Uh, despite the creepy content of, of the conversation we had, I enjoyed my time with Fred enormously, and I hope you do too. Please enjoy. Here goes. So, Fred, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. It's great to be here, Mike. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yes, and I will just, um, we met uh, at uh, the Laughlin UFO Conference, and I believe that was 2009. 2009 or 2010, I don't remember. Yeah, I, th- I don't remember either. It was one or the other. Um, yeah, I just I found your presentation very interesting. We had a personal conversation afterwards, and I, and I shared some personal experiences with you. And, Which were uh, quite fascinating. Yes, and uh, and there's and I know, I don't know if I'll be able to get into those in this format here, just because they uh, involve someone's identity who I'd rather not uh, talk about it publicly. So um, I can hint at it and I will talk around it, you know, but I, I think I can get some of the key points out. Um, 
but the the stuff that I wanted to talk about is is what seems to be the core of your research, which is the mind control issue. Yes. Yes, and I don't know. Can you just give a so you have a website, and can you just give a, a brief rundown of the of your website and how you're using that to get this information out into the public on on um, you know let's just use the mind control issue as one of the issues that you're working to to try to uh, disseminate to the public. Sure. Well, the website that I manage is called wanttoknow.info, and so it's like it sounds: w a n t t o k n o w dot info. It's not .com or .org. And it's become quite popular. Recently, we're averaging about 6,000 visits a day. And it's all about presenting information that the major media is failing to report that is vitally important to an understanding of what's going on in our world. And we cover a rich variety of topics. And I've been investigating this stuff myself personally for about 10 years now. And what I have found, as you just mentioned, Mike, is that the deepest, sort of most core issue behind all of this is mind control. And so if you go to wanttoknow.info and look along the top, there's a list of our major topics. And over towards the right, you'll see mind control. And if you click there, you'll see we have a whole information center filled with lots of rich information. It tells you where to go first to start finding out the most basic information, and then you can go as deep as you want. But basically, you find out that people have been interested in controlling the human mind on both an individual and uh, sort of group or mass levels for centuries. But the art, shall we say, of mind control has gotten more and more sophisticated. It really started ramping up in the early 20th century when they started playing around with split personalities and uh, the idea of Manchurian candidates. It then very much ramped up during World War II when the Germans were given free reign to torture, kill, and do anything they want with the people in the concentration camps in their quest of mind control. And that's where I would say the basic techniques of mind control, which are extremely effective, were perfected. And then what happened is under... uh, Project Paperclip, uh, these Nazi scientists who became experts in these programs, many of them were brought to the United States secretly, um, including Joseph Joseph Mengele. He was not a Project Paperclip guy, but he was brought in secretly and trained our CIA in all that he had learned during his time as the angel of death at Auschwitz. I think it was Auschwitz. Um, But anyway, uh, and it goes on from there, and you find out all sorts of crazy stuff was going on in, as far as how to create a Manchurian candidate, um, how to make them do things um, that fulfill your own objectives, but they don't even have any memory that they did it. So it's wild and crazy stuff, and yet there's incredible documentation to support everything that I'm telling you. And, and we've got the documentation, we've got links that you can go and check out to verify what we're saying. There's no such thing as 100% proof, in my opinion, but when you start looking at the huge amount of evidence we have, it's pretty overwhelming. This is fascinating. Now, when you do your research, are you doing it through um, declassified paperwork? Um, or are you doing it like um, just sort of boots on the ground type research where you're talking to people who claim the direct experience of, of having the mind control themselves? 
The vast majority of my work is done over the internet. Um, I first found out about this stuff through a few key books, and these books were based on the declassified documents. And once I saw that, I said, this is crazy, and I sent away, I, I did a Freedom of Information Act request to, you actually send it to the CIA, and in fact, on our website, we tell you exactly how to do this, and you pay $30, and then they send you three CDs that contain about 20,000 pages worth of declassified mind control documents. I got mine in less than three weeks, which surprised me. And then I was able to verify word for word everything said in these books. And as I said, it just blew me away to actually have government documentation sent from the CIA proving the existence of this whole uh, mentoring candidate development program. And was one of the books the Kathy O'Brien book? That was the first book that was recommended to me. Let me just give you a very brief history. You know, I, I'm sure you know, Mike, but or some listen, listeners may not know that I was a language interpreter in the Indonesian language with the United States Department of State and actually worked up to being their top language interpreter and actually have interpreted for personally for uh, Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, uh, even Dick Cheney and others. So. That's a whole other story, but we're not going to focus on that right now. But anyway, I got this information when I was still working with the State Department that just blew me away. Actually, it was originally about UFOs, and I said, I can't believe this, and it just changed my whole view of the world and set me on a quest to find out what's really going on. Ooh, here, let me just interrupt real quick. And If I remember correctly, the, the information about the UFOs was Stephen Greer's disclosure press conference? That's correct. Um, somebody, I didn't see it on May 9th, 2001 when the conference happened, but I had heard about it, but I, I, I was kind of like, didn't pay much attention. But then when a wonderful sort of deep spiritual friend of mine said, Fred, you got to watch this video. It changed my life. I'll send it to you. So he sent it to me and this was uh, late July. So it was like uh, a month and a half after the press conference. I put it in, watched this two hours and literally by the end of the two hours, my jaw is on the floor going, oh my God you know, the world's not what I thought it was. And, and so then, that's what started me on all of this. Okay, and then the, the, almost the more interesting thing, in my opinion, uh, about the that, that press conference was the fact that it was so um, overtly dismissed and ignored by with the mainstream press. Yeah, the, everybody made fun of it. It did get a, a decent amount of press, um, uh, but no, like, front page headlines, nothing. I mean, this this should have been absolutely front page headlines, blow blow your mind out of the water type thing because it was 22 high-level government and military uh, uh, witnesses who had personal experience in the UFO cover-up. You know, if it's just been two or three, it's not such a big deal, but this is like 22 very high-level people. I, I just couldn't dismiss their qualifications, talking about most bizarre things like, you know, a, a base on the back of the moon and um, all of these hidden UFO things. So it's pretty powerful evidence, in, in my opinion. Yes. Okay. So back to the, you were talking about your work in the State Department and then uh, you started to read information. Yes. Yeah, so then what happened is, you know, so I found out of all this. I started really investigating things. I put up a website that very quickly started getting popular because the website wanttoknow.info focuses on reliable, verifiable information. We always provide links, we provide our sources, and we only use the sources that are considered reliable by the general public. So it quickly started getting popular and Ooh, people let me, started... Let me just... So you, you actually were doing this website while you were still working with the State Department? Yes. In fact, I talked with my uh, boss, the, the chief of uh, interpreting at the 
Department of State about this. I was a friend of hers, and she was kind of like, wow, friend, I don't know. She, she wasn't, like, poo-pooing me, but she was, you could tell she was a little bit overwhelming for her to hear this information. Interesting. Fascinating. Oh, yeah, I didn't hide it from anybody. You know, I didn't go around trying to convert everybody. That's not, you know, I didn't feel like that was appropriate. But anybody who was interested to say, hey, you interested in this stuff? So that's, uh, I didn't quit. Uh, so I, that all happened in 2001. I didn't quit the State Department until the end of 2004. So for three years, I was quietly putting information out there. And some people even were re revealing information to me when they found out I was into this stuff. But that's a whole other thing. So anyway, what happened then is... Um, actually, I went on one of Stephen Greer's one-week uh, sort of UFO watch uh, deals. Um, oh, yep, yes, this is interesting to me. So, and and just so you know, and anyone who's listening to this knows, the the uh, uh, core of my research and the core of my uh, website is based on the UFO phenomena, mostly through the abduction phenomena and how that that intersects with other things. So so anyway, keep going. So you're, you're yes. Yeah, so that's key. So so that was in 2002, I believe it was July. I went to Creststone with uh, Dr. Greer and a bunch of people, and one of the people, a woman there who was very sharp and very knowledgeable, said said, well, hey, do you know anything about the mind control stuff? And I said, mind control stuff? You know, I've heard there's a little bit of mind control. You know, I didn't know much about it. She said, oh, you've got to read this book by um, Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips, the one you just mentioned. And I said, you know, normally I wouldn't go for something like that, but she was so sharp. And then she had a story to back it up. If said a personal friend of hers had had a, an extremely horrifying experience with her child, and she described it in detail. And she said, if you want to understand, this is vitally important. You need to get this book and read it. So I went home. I read the book, and I went, oh, my God, if this is true, we're in trouble, <laughs> basically. And But the interesting thing is Kathy O'Brien provided lots of evidence that you could go and check out, but you would literally have to fly to Kentucky or you'd literally have to get, uh, you know, somebody like Bill Clinton to pull his pants down and see the birthmark to see if what she says is true or not. So I had to put it in one of these categories of I don't know. I mean, she's got a great, solid story, but there's very difficult to verify. So what I did is I started checking out, well, what can I find out? And I started putting feelers out, and then I started getting more information, eventually got in contact with a woman named Carol Roots, who is a, a survivor of one of these programs. And she's done all the research. She had all the documentation. And with her help, actually, really started filling in the picture. I got the government documents. So it was uh, Transformation of America, the book by uh, Kathy O'Brien and, and uh, Phillips, that originally opened my eyes, but that I would just that released my skepticism, and but I wasn't convinced yet. And then that took me other places, which then that became sort of my main passion. I was still interested in UFOs, which before that had been most interesting. But I saw the key importance of this mind control program and how they manipulate not only individual people to become Manchurian candidates, but manipulate public perception in big ways. Yes, and I, that that crossover of the individual who's, um, you know, influenced by what amounts to trauma-based uh, mind control programming, yes. as well as uh, the mass public in 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 a, their own form of trauma. You know, whether that be um, through nine eleven or whether that be through the Columbine shooting or or however or they want. Subliminal messages that are sent out all the time on television, radio. Yes. Yes, and and just the uh, you know sort of key phrasing and what's focused on. Um, mm -hmm. Now I, I have um, I just I, I have not read Kathy O'Brien's book, 
Mm-hmm. I am familiar peripherally through reading some things and listening to her being interviewed and quite a number of what I consider very good, uh, earnest interviews with her on YouTube. Now, the thing that... Um, if- can, I get, can I break in for one second? Sure. This is really important. Any of your listeners who think you may have been in these programs and may have been programmed, I do not recommend starting out with her book. It can trigger suicide programming. So Manchurian candidates are always programmed with suicide programming so that the, if they start learning too much or doing something that they don't like, uh, they trigger the suicide programming and it's very challenging. So just anybody who feels like they may have been in these programs, I highly recommend don't start with Kathy O'Brien's book. Okay. So and then also I would say, um, you know, this podcast may not be the correct thing to listen to if you if you suspect those same things because uh you know part of my goal here is to get into some things that uh you know i've talked to some people directly and we'll 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 get into that before this our time is up but um and the stuff that i have heard is extremely disturbing and yes and, and uh and and borders on you know like i could easily dismiss the people i have talked spoken directly to as insane or delusional or mentally ill or however you want to say it uh, if it weren't for the pattern that I'm seeing when I talk to to these people over and over again. Yeah, so let's just put out the caveat, Mike, that anybody who thinks they've been in these programs, probably better go to wanttoknow.info, click on Mind Control, and it'll take you slowly there in a way to, uh, believe me, hundreds of people who've been in these programs who have thanked me profusely because it doesn't trigger your programming, but it starts to educate you in a way that you can empower yourself, that gives you resources to go and find how to get support. So that's my recommendation for anybody who might have been in these programs. Okay, so the tools that would be used by the people who are, are um, you know, running these programs would be a combination of hypnosis, mm-hmm. uh, trauma, uh, drugs, and, drugs, and mm-hmm. then um, uh, and then also having some sort of handler with you know, like sort of playing a role in that person's life. Well, yes, you're talking about in the development of Manchurian candidates. Yes, that's that's all definitely key components of the program. And by, when you use the term Manchurian candidate, you're using it uh, in reference to Richard Condon's book. Um, I th- believe that was his name, the author Condon, uh, was the author of the yes. book that got made into a movie in the early 60s and then was later made into a movie in the, I guess, within the last decade or so. Yeah, um, that was quite fascinating, the, the updated version. Yeah, and the, um, so the Manchurian candidate would imply uh, a, a mind-controlled assassin that would not be aware of his own alter identity that yes. could perform, uh, I don't want to say, you know, almost a robotically perform a duty that was programmed into him, and then his uh, front personality would have no knowledge of that his alter personality was even doing these things. Yeah, maybe we just very briefly fill that out. Basically, a Manchurian candidate is someone whose personality has been split through the techniques Mike just mentioned. Usually what they do is they first drug a person so that their body becomes extremely confused. They then hypnotize a person and take them into this altered state. They then torture the person so that the pain is so intense that the normal consciousness leaves and another consciousness comes in so the, the, the personality is fractured. And then they do all of this programming. They do this for a number of personalities. And then they basically complete the session, pull the person back out. The core personality has no memory of what just happened. Zero memory. And that's a very typical sign of Manchurian candidates is that certain parts of their past are completely blank. They can't remember things from certain hours, from certain days, certain parts of their childhood. 
And so then these people can be accessed by their handlers. Usually one person becomes in charge of each mentoring candidate. And the handler can give code words that call out each personality. And that's all been programmed during this time when they were programmed. So let's say you can say something like, you know, September 67th can be a code word to call out the assassin in one of these people. And then that, once the code word and the personality has been accessed, that personality can then be programmed. All sorts of things can be done. So that's the basic uh, way that a maturing candidate is developed. Now, um, along with Manchurian Candidate, they're, they're one of the, the, the things that I've run into is um, people who claim to be uh, sex slaves. Sure. Um, that's one personality. Many people who are Manchurian Candidates have a sex personality programmed in that is used for a variety of purposes. Uh, and some of that, some of those purposes could be um, like quite literally uh, just entertainment purposes for you know you know some sort of elite population of you know who knows you know what that what that might infer you know uh, just entertainment purposes for sure as as a reward for instance if they want you know the people in charge here if they want to gain somebody on their side well look we'll offer you these you know five gorgeous women anytime you want to have as your pleasure. But usually, uh, it's more than just that. A lot of these women are programmed to, to even if they, the, let's say a world leader thinks they just have these five women they're going to have to play with, well, those women are also programmed to, in a way, influence that leader, shall we say. Now, there also comes, what I've also heard is that there's, uh, these people would, would be used for blackmail purposes also. Oh, sure. And, and the, the implication, when I hear some of these stories, it just, it just seems that um, if you want to go there and, and believe everything that is said, um, and this is almost in the realm of speculation because I don't, I don't have any way to back this up, but this is the picture that gets painted, uh, that these blackmail purposes are done to um, to such a great extent, I, I almost want to say that that I just I, when I picture you know the, the Congress and the Senate, I, I, are a hundred percent of these people compromised? Is no, it a smaller I don't number. It's not. I, I mean, a hundred percent is that that may be absurd to to pick that number, but I feel that some percent may be compromised in a way where these blackmail issues are are very oh, real. Yes. I think basically anybody who looks like they're going somewhere in politics is profiled and they're also targeted to make sure that they have uh, information that could be used to blackmail them. And if they don't have significant stuff, then they'll do something like program a Manchurian candidate to go in and start an affair or something like that so they can develop blackmail on a person. Now, I'm, I'm fairly certain there's a few people like uh, Barbara Lee and Dennis Kucinich who uh, they've been controlled in other ways. You know, Dennis Kucinich, you may know, three of his relatives died within a few weeks of each other under strange circumstances, including his brother. Oh, and I had no was, idea. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, you can check that out. Check what happened to his brother. And it's just strange stuff. And you have to remember here that the government knows, I mean, not the government, but the, these groups. It's not the government. It's rogue elements uh, that are non-government, well, they may be involved with government, may not, but they have the ability to cause cancer, they have the ability to cause someone to commit suicide, they have the ability to do all sorts of things, car accidents, so even though these may look like natural or not unusual deaths, 
Um, the fact that three happen within you know three or four weeks of each other, Dennis Kucinich gets the important message. He's probably been warned on the phone by an anonymous phone call. It's like, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And Kucinich says, okay, I'm not, but he's holding strong to his values. And then he sees that his own brother dies. You know, that's going to cause you to pause for a minute. And, uh, you know, think, well, how much do I really want to push my agenda? Uh, very much so. And, and and I think we could go down a long list of people that we yes. could, we could uh, assume that uh, that those types of things have taken place. Um, Gary Condit is a great example. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Sure. That whole thing. Yeah, that whole thing. And, and uh, Chandra Levy and, and Chandra Levy, I'm fairly certain, was a Manchurian candidate. There's just tons of evidence to support that up. Okay, so let's... Uh, Let's jump back to where we were. So you were reading books, and one of the books was that the uh, that came to you from someone at the uh, Stephen Greer event. Hey, let me just ask now. I, Stephen Greer is of extremely controversial character within the UFO community. Yes. And uh, how? Well, just what's your impressions? I've actually never. I've talked to only a few people who have attended some of his events. And 2002 uh-huh. would have been actually sort of early on in those events. Now, was this like a sky watching event that he? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, he still does them. He does uh, several a year at different places. Or for a week, you get together, and he lectures um, his own beliefs, his own philosophy. But then you go out at night, and you sit under the stars, and you you literally join as a group to call in uh, ETs to come visit. And my own personal hit is Stephen Greer has done a great service in bringing together all of these witnesses and putting them on videotape in their own words. And I think it's huge. He helped me to wake up. He's helped so many key people to wake up to what's going on in the world and he has a huge ego he will not deny this he calls himself <laughs> a silverback gorilla an alpha male he's proud of that and he says it's the only way i can survive fighting against these big people who want to take him down he's had attempts on his life his his assistant was literally was killed we have no doubt of that a congressman was taken down with him and and that ended up convincing this really powerful lawyer that i know per- personally who, who works in washington uh, he was skeptical of the UFO thing until this congressman was killed, who worked with Greer, and then he's like, "Okay, I get it. What, There's something the going on here." Name? Sorry. What was who, what was the congressman's name? I don't remember, but I think he was from Arizona. Um, you know, I used to know all these facts off the top of my head, but I'm less focused on all the details. Okay, these okay, days. fair I'm enough. Um, I, that's something yeah. I'll look up separately, and I may try to. Uh... And his assistant, you can uh, Sherry something or other, Sherry Adamiak or something like that was. And they, all three of them were, uh, got cancer at the same time. Uh, Greer, his assistant, and this congressman were working to bring this information to Congress. And uh, the two of the, the two died of con- uh, cancer, but Greer has a fighting strong will, and he managed to survive. Oh, this is fast. Okay, so I haven't heard this. Now, now, um, I, what I'll do is look up some of this information. I will then uh, just insert it into this uh, dialogue we're having during the editing sure. process. Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in during the editing process. I just wanted to clear a few little things up here. Uh, I did look up on Google. I didn't spend much time, and I just wanted to say that uh, an assistant to Stephen Greer named Sherry Adamayak, and I'll spell that last name. I may be pronouncing it wrong. A-D-A-M-I-A-K. Sherry Adamayak died on Tuesday morning, January 20th, 1998, from complications of advanced breast cancer. Adamayak's cancer was first diagnosed in June 1997, and I also found that Congressman Steve Schiff, a five-term Republican from Albuquerque, New Mexico's first congressional district, died on March 25, 
1998, of skin cancer. He was 51 years old. Now, uh, Sherry Adamayak died on January 20th, 1998. Congressman Steve Schiff died on March 25th, 1998. That is approximately two months and five days apart. Also in among the information that I searched out, which was curiously I didn't find anything that pinpointed uh, much, but it seems that uh, Dr. Stephen Greer did, in fact, have cancer. Uh, The details are a little sparse on the websites. It seems like it happened a few years after these events here. So just to clarify what we talked about, and here's just a few more details that will help uh, flesh out the story. Thank you very much. Back to the interview. Okay, so, so just how successful was the skywatching event? Well, uh, it was actually pretty fascinating because it it was so much about Greer, and this is the problem with Greer. Greer sees himself as the savior of the planet, and if you just think of that, and that this is what's going to color everything you do with Greer. Um, I personally had an amazing experience with a fourth dimensional ufo craft that other people in the group shared but interestingly enough it had just started raining and like over half of the group left including greer and went back to their cars and that's when this fourth dimensional craft settled down on us but that's i don't think we want to get into that it's too much of a story it was fourth dimensional it's not like i could see it with my normal eyes so but, so we just like well this is it sounds odd now so you're just saying you could perceive it through let's say your your intuition it's it's a matter of we were in an Someone we had this wonderful group energy. Everybody just suddenly went quiet, and it was like a relaxing that happened within. And then suddenly, for me, I just felt. I just literally. It wasn't intuition. I literally. I'm not psychic, but um, I do have some intuition, and, and I just felt this thing. And everybody got quiet, and I literally, with my sort of relaxed vision, could see these black figures standing behind each one of us, just these sort of shadow images, which I very clearly knew were some sort of ET presence communicating with each one of us. And very briefly, I don't want to go into too detail because we've got too many other things to talk about, but um, once it left, this lasted for maybe 20 minutes, I'm going to guess, and it, we were all quiet around that time. I decided I'm going to be quiet and hear what other people experience because that was amazing, but I don't want to bias people with my own. And and. As soon as it left, he's like, did you experience that? What? And, and about I, oh, well over half of the people there in that group had an experience very similar to mine before I even opened my mouth. So that to me was very strong evidence that this whatever happened was just real that a number of us shared this experience. And interesting that Greer was in the car and wasn't there when it happened. So, so this is something that I, that, um, you know, so that claim, just what you mm-hmm. shared, uh, there's sort of a nuts and bolts crowd of UFO researchers and investigators who would dismiss yes. that outright. Okay. You know, you can't, sure. you can't quantify Absolutely. it. Um, I uh, do not fall into that uh, category. I, I very much look at the, I don't know how to say it, just the spiritual or the sure. in, in, uh, the things that you would you would interpret through your gut, uh, I, I take very seriously. Um, you know, I and I respect people who, who, who want to dismiss it. I, I don't count that as anything solid, but it was for me, it was personally very important. Yeah, and, and I also feel that, um, you know, Greer being the controversial character he is, I feel like um, just getting a group of people together and looking at the sky and asking for a... Uh, for instance, a UFO to show itself, um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a profound power in that yes. in that group consciousness. And yes. so I don't doubt that he will often get very successful uh, experiences, successful meaning that something will, will happen. So, yeah, so I do... Well, they've give... had many experiences. I've met people who've had amazing experiences on his, his uh, 
week-long activities. Good, good, and I don't doubt that. So I, I just think that group consciousness is is very real. Yes. So it's maybe it's less a a role of him as an individual and just more a role of uh, you know, the the group as well as having some sort of facilitator, whether it's... Well, and he's, he's got a very strong focus, so he can help to unite a group. And I, he, I'm not saying Greer is bad by any means. Like, Greer's very much a mixed bag for me. He does great work, but his arrogance just really gets in the way. So, there you go. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um... I'm not sure where we were. Where did we leave off when we... Okay, so you're getting back to sort of the, the mind control stuff and, and how this all relates in. So I was on this, this thing in 2002. The woman recommends this mind control book. And so up until then, you know, I think it was July of 2001 when I found out about the UFOs, I'd spent like the whole year started researching what is this UFO phenomenon. And it was just fascinating. As you know, there's just layers and levels like, an, oh my God. But then when... So it's about a year later. It was in July 2002 when this woman recommends uh, Transformation of America. I read that book, and it just made too much sense, knowing everything I knew now from the UFO stuff, about this major operation to basically control the flow of world events using mind control. And so that became a major focus of mine, and that's way uglier, more scary, more disturbing than any of the UFO stuff I've ever heard, because some of the stuff they do in these programs is extremely disturbing. And so I have a capacity, uh, thankfully, to handle very disturbing information. I'm able to, like, not get too emotionally upset and just sort of detach and read the information and take it in and digest it without being too disturbed. And a lot of people can't do that. And I respect people who can't. But so I was able to find out some stuff that is pretty uh, wild and out there. But boy, does it make sense when you start looking at the big picture. And it's all related to this attempt to control all of us and the way everything develops through various mind control techniques. Yes, very, very interesting. Hey, so when you do your research, there's there's uh, this sort of goes back to the nuts and bolts and the spiritual end of the the, the sort of two um, ends of the spectrum at the UFO research community. Uh, when you do your research, um, uh, how much do you depend on your intellect and your logical mind, and then how mm -hmm. much do you depend on your gut or your intuitive mind? Both are equally important for me. Both are vitally important. What I'll do is I'm always looking for the reliable evidence because I need something that's reliable. There's too much garbage out there. There's very sophisticated disinformation that can even lead you down the wrong track with verifiable sources. So what I do is I try to find the verifiable information, and when I find something new that's important, I'm also a very spiritual person, and I ask for guidance in giving me independent corroboration. And almost every time I have some important piece come in, I'll get a completely separate independent corroboration from a personal source that I know that shows me I'm on the right track. Or I won't, and then that'll make me question more. So I definitely go by gut intuition, spiritual guidance, um, equally for me as important as the solid uh, scientific search. And yet what we publish on the internet at wanttoknow.info is only none of the gut intuition stuff, but all based on the solid, reliable information. Though the gut intuition stuff would be used as a tool on your in, in your role as a researcher to yes. arrive at some of that, of that more um, uh, pragmatic and verifiable information. Yes, and also it helps me determine how to present the information from a deeper spiritual perspective so that it makes sense to people and also so that it empowers and inspires them 
to do something to make a difference. Sorry here, I need to... Okay. I'd like to make one sort of uh, clarification here uh, relating to spirituality. I am a very spiritual person, yet I don't follow any particular religion. My spirituality is basically based on opening to guidance in whatever's best for all beings, all people on this planet, all beings in the universe. And so I don't follow any particular path, but do believe that there are many, many... Uh, entities let's say that are available that can help to guide us including the collective energy of what I call all that is and I know when I open to that guidance um, I usually get pretty clear and powerful guidance which has helped me tremendously in all of this work and I have my own stories where um, one of the things that I do uh, and I'll just make this brief but uh, anyone who's listened to my audio things has probably heard this before but um, I live very close to uh, you know some beautiful mountains here in, in uh, just at the in the Wyoming Idaho border and I will go out sleep alone under the stars nice. and, and I will ask the universe for um, whatever it needs to give me. And nice. I'll do this very formally. I'll say it out loud. I will, and, it, and oftentimes I'll even record it because things have shown up in the form of dreams. I don't mm. do it unless it feels genuinely honest. That's and great. I will say that I have had some profoundly strange things. And it, it always, the, the information I get seems to come in these kind of. Uh, uh, never quite the way I think it is. Yes, you know, the way I think I me. want it. Like I, you know, absolutely. I, I want like a very profound dream that has a very clear message, and um, I've had that, but that is generally not how it how it uh, presents itself. So anyway, it's usually yeah, so, much more enigmatic. Yeah, it comes through the back door in a funny way that I would never have expected. Yes, and I will say, having seen your presentations and having, um, you know, watched a few of your your YouTube videos and things like that, you are a very spiritual character, and it is an odd thing when you when you when you add that to the fact that, you know, you were, you know, sitting side by side with George Bush Jr. in, you know, what amount to high level meetings. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, when I found myself there, because I did, actually never tried to climb the ranks, I just kind of got put there in the State Department. And I said, wow, okay, well, I guess I call it spirit is my shorthand for all that is. Um, I guess spirit put me here. And so, yeah, I'm going to open up to call in those energies while I'm in these meetings. And we don't, don't want to get into it right now, but I had a lot of fascinating things, unexpected things happen as a result of that. Hey, as long as we're on the subject, how has synchronicity played a role in your research? Huge. Well, as I said, it's that kind of independent corroboration is kind of a synchronicity type thing. Um, I really listen to synchronicities. My own belief is that nothing happens just by chance, that there is a greater reason, purpose for all this stuff, even though I don't understand it and don't claim to understand it. But I'm understanding the levels that begin at the Earth here. I'm understanding more and more into levels even out in other realms and dimensions and how those work. But the ultimate questions of why do we exist as opposed to not exist, I have no idea. Yeah, so that's interesting that you say that the synchronicity um, you know, plays a role because uh, that's one of the things that I ask uh, people who claim the UFO abduction phenomena. I'll say, you know, like, hey, you know, have you experienced any synchronicity in your life? And... Um, you know, their response is usually to sort of roll their eyes and go like, whew, you have no idea, like it's over the top. Yes. And they'll right. they'll share some stories which are, you know, sound absurd, you know, but the, having heard enough of those stories and having experienced that in my own life. Uh, and, and I shared that with a very close friend of mine, you know, like, wow, you know, the people who who 
have these UFO abduction experiences, our, their life is plagued with synchronicities. And, <laughs> plagued or blessed, depending on how you look well, at it. Well, yeah. So, the, yeah, they're filled with synchronicities. Yeah. So, right. Um, and then, uh, and then she very wisely, you know, sort of, you know, pointed out that she said anyone on a spiritual path, their life will be plagued with synchronicities. So, you know, like it, it, it seems that. Uh, the role of the UFO abductee or the UFO experiencer, um, you know, that in a way could be almost be called a spiritual path. As well as the work you're doing, I would almost put that into the category of spiritual path. Oh, yes, it's definitely for me as a spiritual path. And I, I don't even mention that anywhere on wantonow.info because that's not the purpose of the website. But if you go to some of the other websites, I actually manage a, a nonprofit now that has 12 websites. And the other websites go quite deep into that. Oh, it's 1111. Yay. Um, and uh, <laughs> you, if you check out some of those other websites, you'll see some really great stuff. It's all about opening to our spiritual path. There's no one right spiritual path. Everyone, when they find their own spiritual path, is when the synchronicities start really going wild. And the more synchronicity you're having, often that means you're on track because it's all a divine mystery. I agree a thousand percent. I will also add that though, from where you're talking to right now, my house, the um, longitude at my house is 111.111. All right. So That's whatever great. that means, I just figured that out recently. And I was like, because I also um, am, am uh, very aware of the when it turns to 111 or 1111. And um, so... Can I just put out a quick plug for 11.11 since it's coming up? I'm inviting everybody to get together with your friends. Focus your group energy on bringing in love and support to our lives and sharing our own love and support and just getting a global field. A bunch of people are focused on 11.11. And the same thing, December 21st, 2012. Let's get everybody together, as many people as you can, and just really focus at those times on spreading love and empowerment and support around the planet and inviting in love and support from other realms, other dimensions. I really think it can make a difference. Yeah, uh, you know, very much so. In in my own small way, I feel like my very humble blog, which which deals with a lot of first person experiences in my end, um, uh, is attempting to just you know add to that pool. You know, just um, beautiful, a, a tiny little pebble in some sort of pond. I don't quite know what it means, but uh, oh, my, it's not tiny, Mike. It's huge. Every well, one of us, I think, makes a huge difference. Well, my pebble, I don't know how big it is, but but I I trust that that uh you know. Uh, Whatever I'm not. Uh, at the end of the day, I feel good that I'm doing what I'm doing. Let me put it right there. on. That's so great. so here, let's so back to this is something I've noticed when I talk to people, and I've talked to not a lot, but a, enough, and I've talked to other researchers who are doing looking into similar avenues that I am. So the people that claim this is now, I almost want to say, present day. Some of the research that's going on that's looking at documents, those documents might be as old as 50 years old. Yes. Um, so, you know, 50 years of advancement. One of the things that I'm hearing from individuals who share their own uh, stories, which are talk about trauma-based mind control, mm -hmm. they talk about having a heightened level of psychic skills. And yes. this seems to be part of the programming. Um, and this is, this, something is, this is something that comes very much as a surprise to me. Oh, it's, it's, I've seen that that's a part of it from the beginning. My best inside contact um, is a guy who was deep cover CIA for 25 years, and he was programmed as a mentoring candidate, and they deprogrammed him. 
And he gave me great detail about all the psychic stuff that they were trained in. So, you know, there's a disinformation program to make everybody believe that psychic stuff is poo-poo. And that's a very sophisticated program that's been out for decades, trying to slam anybody that says they're psychic. And yet they know the reason they do that is to keep people off track because they want to be the only ones who have control over these amazing, amazing psychic things that anybody can develop. And now, so you just in your you just said that they deprogrammed him. Now, who is they, and what is the deprogramming process? Well, he was involved in, in intelligence programs, and uh, now you know he totally acknowledged. He says, "I know that they can manipulate me into believing things that I don't know." So he says, "I I'm not even sure who the they is. It was definitely CIA intelligence folks who deprogrammed him. He fought tooth and nail, and and he's a very strong, clear." focused being, very powerful, and he almost took down their whole program with the way he fought against them, not realizing that they were actually trying to, well, they were doing an experiment, he realized. They'd never really fully deprogrammed somebody who was uh, a deeply programmed from a child, uh, a Manchurian candidate like that, and they were eventually, it took about three years, successful, and they even told him, you're free to talk about any of this stuff except there's just a few things they didn't want him to talk about. And so he was free to share with me over the phone. And the guy is sharp as a tack, and he's one of the key people I go to. Whenever I get information about mind control that I'm not certain about, I'll send him an email with a couple other key people and say, what do you guys think of this? So that's how I sort of develop my own uh, picture of what's going on is relying on key experts like that. So this is fascinating. So this is actually going down the avenue that I wanted to go down to in a way. So the, the, these individuals who claiming heightened psychic skills, mm-hmm. I have to assume that the powers that be are using these skills for their own purposes, whether that Absolutely. be you know, in, in the role of remote viewing or remote influencing. Yes. Or, or, um, so these people... Time travel? Time, yeah, I've heard time travel. I've heard, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I've, uh, so. Um, it's pretty out there. It, and I don't there. ask anybody who's listening to believe this stuff, but just understand that I believe this stuff after having researched it carefully and originally totally not believing. But so go ahead. Yes, and I have my own sort of line, like a continuum, where I, you know, I believe up to a certain point, and then I hear things beyond that point. And, and one of the things that I, I, contemplate when I hear the things that are, you know, that even stretch my imagination. And I feel like I'm like, you know, believe too much, you know, sometimes and I'm mm-hmm. gullible to it on some levels. But uh, yes, so um, my assumption is that it would be very easy to uh, let's say you have a, an individual, he's uh, talking about his own experiences, he's talking about his use of, uh, his his being used as, let's say, a remote viewer, let's say he's doing very pragmatic things, you know, looking up, you know, behind the fence at some, uh, you know, Russian uh, nuclear facility or something right. like that, which, which, you know, which I, which I very much trust is the kind of thing that you would look at. Then he shares a story about, um, time travel and i say well okay maybe the time travel story is is something that has been programmed into his memory just so me as the researcher you know has to sort of throw his hands up and say like okay this is this has gone too far i'm gonna have to dismiss right, this it's to discredit story. yes exactly and it's it totally could be that. I mean, that's a, a very plausible theory that all of this belief in time control is being programmed into all these Manchurian candidates so that people won't believe them and just throw them off track. I, that's plausible. I don't. My own research has not led me there, but I want to say that that's a real plausible 
thing to explore. Yes, and, and I know some f- people, and some of my consider very close friends, and they, let's say they will tell me a hundred little things. They'll tell me a hundred little stories. I don't, you know, I assume that some percentage, it may be Mm -hmm. a very small percentage um, of, you know, maybe 1% of those things that they've shared. uh, Yeah. yeah, Are, are somehow um, information that is, is meant specifically to discredit them or to confuse them or to send them down blind alleys if they're trying to, to research their own set of life events. Um, and and I, it's very difficult because you're 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 sort of entering a hall of mirrors where you try to make sense of this stuff. Well, this to me is where the spiritual part is plays a key role because I know there's tons of disinformation out there, and so what I do is I connect with connect with my own guidance, which is always towards what's best for all being, and said ask for help in understanding the big picture, and I trust that more than I trust anything. And yes, tons of disinformation, and even my spiritual guidance, I have what I call a healthy level of skepticism, because I don't trust everything that comes in through spirit. I know that there's disembodied spirits who like to come in and play around and make you believe things that are not true. And because I am absolutely and unwaveringly committed to what's best for all beings, I do tend to trust my spiritual guidance more than anything else. And do you consider the spiritual guidance channeling? No, I don't have like words come through and stuff, but I do get ideas. Um, sometimes I get insights, uh, but I don't get information in the way that channels get information. Okay, very clear. Uh, you know, I have something that I refer to as nice thoughts, and I don't know how else to put it. Um, mm-hmm. Just these very suddenly, you know, like a like a how to say it, like a normal thought comes through. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you kind of think about something, and then that thought leads to another thing. Some I'll just have these flashes, psychic flashes, nice thoughts, and and um, and oftentimes those can be extremely profound. I'll follow up on them. They they uh, you know the implication is that I'm having some sort of psychic experience, which I which I've had a handful. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 whatever that means, I'm going down this avenue, this road through this research and through, um, you know, sharing my stories and such. And and these nice thoughts have been very integral to my own, uh, sure, uh, you know, my own life path. Let me put it that way. Yeah, and you don't, you know, I don't even ask our listeners. You don't have to believe in this, listeners, because uh, both Mike and I are doing our best to really provide reliable, verifiable information that's still going to be interesting. But just know that this is this is where we're coming from. Is we also have the spiritual thing, but I don't ask people to have the spiritual thing. I, I think it can be helpful, but that's your choice. And and I'm, I'll just jump in and say, like, I am unconcerned that my my information that I put forward is reliable or, or can be confirmed in any way. And the only thing that I do when I share that information, I just I just put the caveat in, and it's like this is a, this is an an impression, this is a feel, this is a personal right. experience, and here's the odd connections. I don't know quite what to make of it. So I I you know I, I share plenty of stuff that that. You know, no one's going to be able to fact check, but I, I do it in a form where, where I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, whatever, I'm not a zealot that's treating it like a new religion. Let me put it that way. That's great. Hey, here, so let me, let me ask now, so, I, so this is, I just want to check in because this is, I want to do this in a public forum in a way because this is stuff that I have come across. Now, mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the things that I've heard directly from these people who, who claim this firsthand mind control experience is mm-hmm. that there's somehow it is overlapping with some sort of occult ritual or occult yes. magic experience. Now there's two avenues this could be. One is that there's like a, you know, a, a group of occultists of people who are, who are following uh, some dark uh, spiritual path that that are using these uh, mind control techniques for their own purposes, and maybe they've infiltrated, you know, 
this sounds like something out of a, of a bad thriller novel or something like that. But um, so so they so it could be done by occult secret societies for their own to further their own sure. agenda. The other option is that the people who have been granted, uh, let's say billions of dollars to do this research could be doing it in a way where they're looking for anything to get results and yes. one of the avenues they're going down is they just say well let's try these these ancient magic rituals and and perhaps they're getting uh, they're seeing good results and now these occult protocols are just an efficient tool to improve their process well i would say also that there are groups that really choose to focus more on the science than anything else that are also doing this that work in intelligence so it's it's a spectrum you go from all the way what i call the, the totally scientific folks um for instance the early remote viewing they did their very best to just stick with the science and like yes there were some underpinnings you find lots of ties into scientology believe it or not in the, the original remote viewing stuff but they weren't using scientology principles um, they were really focused on getting the science and getting the percentages right and all this sort of stuff. But on the other hand, we have the groups, you know, I have no doubt from my research that there are these what I would call Luciferian groups um, who follow some sort of teachings that from a being that claims to call itself Lucifer, which is not the devil, by the way, um, that uh, lead them in certain directions and they use these esoteric practices to develop, develop the ability to manipulate things by going into other dimensions. And then you have everything in between those two. You have all sorts of mixes. And then you, when it gets really bizarre is there are some what I call satanic groups um, doing this stuff. And these are people whose lives have been really twisted. And But I thankfully, I don't think the satanic groups have that much power and control. This is fascinating. This is sort of, this is, you're, you're confirming some things that I've, you know, that I, or, you know, whatever, you're not confirming in a way that, that any lawyer would be happy with, but you're confirming sure. it to me in a, in a way that this is, these, this is what I've sensed yes. when I'm doing my research. Hey, um, and I've gotten lots of pretty good, like, this is not the level of want-to-know.info reliability, but um, I can point to you to lots of sources that are pretty credible, not super credible, that uh, back up this information. Now, so these these trauma-based mind control programs are they in the hands of the government or are they in the hands of non-governmental contractors? And they're in they, hands. Go ahead. Oh, and, and you know, I mean, if they were, I just I just sense that the outsourcing of something like this would be very efficient in a, in just to avoid things like you know congressional oversight. Yes. Well, so many groups have access to these uh, capabilities. From even before World War II, the intelligence communities in, in many countries were developing these capabilities. The reason the MKUltra program got going so strong and fast in the 50s here is the American intelligence community got some pretty powerful evidence um, that they had been extremely infiltrated already by the Russians and the Chinese through these mind control techniques. And so uh, Alan Dulles, who was one who helped set up the program, said there's no answer, answer to the moral question. We simply have to do it because we're already being infiltrated ourselves, and the only way that we can fight back is to develop our own capabilities. And he agreed that morally there was no good justification, but practically we had to do this. Fascinating, fascinating. And there are, this, this is actually in government documents. He gave that testimony to Congress. You can read the words, there's no answer to the moral question in these released government. Well, that's not a released government. That's from the uh, Senate testimony. I think, think during the church committee, I might have that wrong, but there was two major 
uh, congressional investigations into this. And one of those investigations, Alan Dulles says there is no answer to the moral question. Wow. Um, have you seen a television show called The Dollhouse? I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Ay, ay, ay. Now, I've had a few insiders that claim this firsthand experience, and they there's a television show. It was on for a few seasons. It was by the same uh, producer named Josh Whedon who created Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But, oh, now that's fascinating, because that links up with one of my inside sources who said Buffy the Vampire Slayer clearly has lots of subliminal programming. So now, go ahead. So the Dollhouse, same executive producer, is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a corporate, quasi-government... Uh, thing where it's a it's a group of mind controlled beautiful like every every person who who like lives in this this facility is you know they're all young you know uh, genetically genetically <laughs> perfect developed yes yeah so and they're all being mind controlled and they're being sort of farmed out for for usages and so they you yes. know, they have these hour long uh, television shows and you know and they never quite come out and say it but i mean it sure seems like they're being using used for like you know sexual entertainment or or sure. gratification for the uh, you know these people who are and and it's it's you know it's silly in the sense that uh, you know there's plenty of plot elements that just seem like you know uh, you know bad uh, thriller television but mm-hmm. but you know the 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 thing that 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 um makes me pay attention is that the the few individuals who have turned to me and said like this show just there's too many things going on in this show yep. that that mimic now what is the role of that show is that show just to so that if someone comes forward and says like you know i feel like i've been uh mind controlled and and uh, and and they give some of their experiences all that any um you know, pragmatic debunker needs to do is say, well, here, just look at this television, the dollhouse, you know, this is, you're mm-hmm. just repeating things that have already taken place on this television yes. show. Yeah. And I think that's a big part. There, the reasons why things happen are often very complex and there it depends which layer or level you're looking at as to why it's happening. But as far as why the people in power and control would allow or put out a program like that, I think largely they're thinking of just what you're saying to be able to then say anybody who starts coming on the real information say, oh, well, you're just being influenced by this program. You know, you're, this, these are clearly ideas that just came from this program. So that's full of bunk. Uh, f- this is so interesting. Hey, I'm going to just share one story and I just, and then, then, uh, I'll, I'll let you t- talk for a while. I feel like I've taken up a lot of the, the interview time here. No, I think it's, it's going great. I'm very much enjoying the flow and balance. Good, good. Okay. So, so, so I've talked to one individual. She shared a story to me. I then went later and shared that story with a few other contacts that I have. They all said like, oh, that's, that makes so much sense. So here's the story she shared. She said that the government and and uh, you know the people that she had worked with can now access a certain realm and then she was very visual she she said okay we live in this third dimensional realm and she like mm-hmm. used her hand and she made like this little strata like this little uh, like a uh, uh, geomorphic strata like within the earth uh-huh. and then she said you know in a, up above it is a fourth dimensional strata where you know outer you know other dimensional beings live and then she put her hand way up high and said way up here is like fifth dimensional and higher and up there way up there is where god lives so she came back down to this third dimensional strata and then she made this little paper thin finger gesture that's sitting on top of the strata and she said there is a strata right above our level of reality called the th- that she referred to as the 3.2 just th- the third dimension and just a little more 
where the government has now been able to access. And this, I, this I, I, realm... Mike, I just asked that you use the, the, the rogue government or something, because people keep saying the government... Okay, yeah, so, 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 this, so like the, the breakaway... The uh, yes, I agree. So let's... So the rogue power, elements. I call, call it the rogue elements. Is okay, my so the rogue thing. elements. Very good. So I agree. And my cat is sitting on my desk here meowing furiously at me. Um, <laughs> so this, this thin little layer that the rogue elements have now been able to access is is what we might call the astral plane and this is where outer body experiences take place this is where remote influencing takes place this is where remote viewing takes place this is where minimal time travel takes place um, when you access this realm and um, I, that to me was the clearest explanation I had ever had because because it because I could wrap my mind around it. It wasn't sort of nary fairy other world type of stuff. I, it was just a, I, I'm a very visual person and and, and I latched onto that that uh, her hand gestures and everything. I went and shared that with other people. They they immediately said yes, exactly. Well, for me, it's a little bit more complex. There are many ways to access these other dimensions. Um, you can even use your breath, if you know how to do it, to get into an altered state where you can access the dimensions. And to see them physically with your eyes doesn't do it justice because the, it, all the dimensions are inside yourself, inside your own consciousness. And yes, it's very helpful to have those schemes, and I can see where it's helpful to look at it in that way, but it's, to me, having experienced some of these other realms personally, it's much more complex, uh, and it's all inside of us. It's, it's all a matter of consciousness and how you open and expand your consciousness to break away from the intense focus that our five physical senses give, give us into this third dimensional reality. I agree that that's that you so this is that's a very good follow up to my to my very simplistic way of 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 trying to visualize something like that so thank you yeah um and the implication is that these these this astral plane this thin little layer of 3.2 reality is is part of this mind control effort where people are now mm. um and she, she, this one woman had very, very scary stories about like big gaps of missing time and very mm -hmm. odd experiences in her time in the military and um, the role she was playing and, and then also being plagued now with uh, almost like, you know, she had no ability to control the things that were, that were, that were rushing in or bleeding through from this other mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not uncommon. Uh, my sister has had actually some similar experiences. Um, here, I'll just put it to you. What what information do you think that um, needs to you need to share with with the listening audience? Okay, well, what I am finding that not too many people are covering that is extremely important is the role of a certain group um, that I would call the Luciferian group. It plays on this planet, and that there are. Um, there's a network around the world of people who are brought up under very serious conditioning. Every one of them is, is sort of brought up under sort of Manchurian candidate type programming from the time they're a child to, and into certain beliefs that they literally are the intellectually more superior uh, uh, humans on this planet and therefore they deserve to uh, decide what happens on the planet and how everything develops. And that the other 99% of people, and the, the, the guesstimates are that that group makes up about 1% of the population, the other 99% are basically being manipulated to believe as they believe and to help uh, the planet 
evolve as this group wants it to evolve. And I do not believe this group is evil um, in, in the sort of normal sense of the word. They, they really believe they're doing what is the right thing. But I don't, I think that the intense secrecy, manipulation, and all sorts of crazy stuff they do needs to be exposed. And we need to start talking about this group and getting the information out. And that's one of the things I'm really starting to focus on now. And if you want to get uh, information on this group, um, the best information I've seen yet is called The Hidden Hand. There is a member of this group who came out and did an interview on Above Top Secret website. And uh, if you go to wanttoknow.info, let's see, uh, we have, if you want to know the best deep summaries, you can find them on wanttoknow.info. If you go to the website under the other category, the last category at the top right, you'll see uh, a drop-down menu and it says concise summaries. And right at the top of the list there, you'll see a list of the best summaries on wanttoknow.info. That webpage takes you to all the deepest stuff that we found. And towards the middle, you'll see one that says, A Deep Insider Speaks Out. And it's, he claims to be a priest from one of the ruling bloodlines of the planet. And this is this Lucifer Luciferian group I'm talking about. And so if people want to understand how we are being manipulated by this group, um, I highly recommend this material. Excellent, excellent. Um, hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in during the editing process. I just want you to know that I am including a link for this section in the section uh, that, that Fred just recommended, A Deep Insider Speaks Out. It is on the show note, and it is uh, hyperlinked, and it says A Deep Insider Speaks Out. Okay, back to the interview. Yeah, so that is something I've heard. Now you've also talked about the fact that I've of uh, that within these rogue elements, these you know these power brokers that are sort of doing their their work behind the the, the curtain per se, mm -hmm. that um, that there's there's a profound conflict in among these groups. Yes, that there are always factions fighting among each other. And this is very true of the Luciferian groups too, because they very much come from an orientation of what we call service to self. They think by looking out for yourself, that's how we advance. And so because these groups are always, uh, even though they're very strong and solidified in their loyalty to their group, they also are fighting each other to try to move up the ranks. And they, they believe in survival of the fittest type stuff. And so there are all these factions continually vying for power. But if anybody threatens the group, they all unite and will do everything they can to slam and discredit anybody who's trying to expose the group. So it's interesting how, on the one hand, they can come together in an instant and be very powerful to uh, slam anybody who's trying to expose what they're doing or put out disinformation to lead people astray, yet within themselves they're fighting for who's going to be the most influential in their group in the development of everything that happens. This is scary stuff. Now, is there now are there you know I want to say forces of light? Is there forces of goodness on the other side of this curtain that are that are trying to uh, uh, you know influence there? Yes, and that's where I highly recommend the hidden hand material because the hidden the guy who calls himself Hidden Hand um, claims that he's a priest, and so he actually understands the bigger picture than most. And he actually shows here's his basic thesis in a nutshell that the Earth. Uh, eons ago, humanity on Earth, and maybe not eons, but millennia ago, humanity was really stuck in the doldrums because uh, they were not 
life here was too comfortable. They were not being challenged, and they didn't really um, have what you would call free will. And so basically there was an agreement among the confederation of planets or whatever you want to call it that the earth needed a catalyst that would basically give humanity a kick in the butt to start growing spiritually. And so that catalyst was the knowledge of good and evil. I was going to say where there's Adam and Eve right there. Yeah, they're leaving yes, the garden. It, which is still a metaphor, but it's, it's a metaphor for something that may have been very real, that this human species was like Adam and Eve. They needed, a, and vol Lucifer was a very high sixth dimensional or sixth density being that volunteered to come in and literally volunteered to play the bad guy in order to help humanity open its eyes. So that the greater picture was actually to try to help humanity to evolve, but in order to help humanity to evolve, they had to come in and literally, in the game of life, play the bad guy in order that humanity would wake up and start trying to do the right thing. So that's a nutshell of what the hidden hand material is about, and the guy does a beautiful job in describing it, and even describing how you can make a difference by going in and starting to trust yourself and trust your own spiritual guidance to make big, big changes and become a powerful player in the game of life. Huh. And, and uh, oh, this is fascinating. Now, here, I'm just going to jump back to some of the questions I had. The people that I've been in contact with ha claim this uh, mind control in their life. Mm -hmm. They also claim interactions with UFO experiences. Yes. And the implication is that somehow something in this mind control programming, the trauma has opened them up in a way that not only opens them up to, let's say, psychic skills, but it opens them up to the UFO phenomena. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's, there's a question, you know, which came first? Are the people, were the people targeted by the UFO phenomena, making them a good candidate for the mind control. And so, um, you know, family lineage with just people who have a family history of UFO abductions, you know, grandfather, mm -hmm. grandmother, you know, all the way down to, to the person present day uh, claiming these experiences. Um, and those people, uh, there seems to be an overlapping of the UFO phenomena and the, and the mind control phenomena. But, I, but which came first to me is a, is a question that I struggle with and, and, I, and I don't well, have a good answer. Well, I think the problem is that people are looking at it from a limited perspective. If you're looking at it from the eyes of the this three-dimensional reality, which is limited to basically to our five senses, it's very difficult to understand this stuff. To understand the UFO phenomena fully, you have to understand that there are other dimensions or densities out there um, that are accessible to our consciousness, but we're largely blinded by our own senses to the existence of these other realities. The ET beings, in, in my own research, um, largely are exploring these other de realities uh, or other dimensions, and they do their work through moving through these dimensions, and they see the Earth in the same way as we might look at ants. You know, ants are stuck on the surface, and they ants have hardly any awareness of us as beings. And and so it's the same in the same way humans have no awareness of this other reality where these these beings who are quite spiritually evolved and can move through these different dimensions, they can enter into the third dimension if they need to for various reasons, and then they appear to us. Oh, there's a UFO, but actually that UFO is not coming from another planet necessarily in this third dimension but rather maybe from another aspect of reality that, uh, that we have very little experience with. 
and I know I'm getting out there with this stuff, but I know a number of your readers will resonate with this, and maybe you too, that there are other realities, there are other dimensions, and when you start to explore those and open to the possibility of those realities, then you can really start to see how the picture makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as far as like you know, my uh, thoughts on on the, the the source of UFOs. Yeah. I mean, you're you're summing it up very clearly. Like it's. I think it's far far too simplistic to say they're just you know metal spaceships from another planet. Yes. That may that may in some sense be part of the truth, but I don't know what the bigger picture is. Yeah. So so yeah. So the, so the things get very confusing when you when you. St- Take ten steps back and look at the like at the the multi layered, uh, almost impossible to understand uh, reality that may surround uh, the UFO phenomena and and then what the um, these mind control yes. uh, things are are able to access somehow. So yeah, and getting back to your question, then so you have these uh, children who maybe have. Uh, more expanded awareness. In fact, all children na- naturally have more openness to these other realities because they haven't been conditioned so much by both the collective beliefs of our planet and by their own senses. And so it's more easy for them to access these other realms where ETs and other beings do exist. But then it's also easier for the mind control programs to come in and start influencing the beliefs and, and the way these uh, children work very early on, so I think it, I don't think there's a clear-cut answer to your question. Or, um, I'm not aware of one. It's it's just a, a complex network, and I think the problem is that these rogue elements understand the way some of these other dimensions work, and therefore they can manipulate these dimensions. And yet, at the same time, these dimensions have their life a life of their own. There are higher beings with much higher spiritual purpose who keep these beings from doing stuff that's too out of control. And so it's it's a complex picture, but my own personal belief is I trust in the goodness of the universe, which is a collective of all beings, that ultimately we're here to learn and grow, grow and explore what's possible in life. And when you come from a place of full trust that everything works out for the good, when you see something really bad or something that looks quote-unquote evil, you then look for, well, why is this happening? And you can eventually by taking it back to a bigger and bigger perspective, start to try to understand what's going on. And even then, it can be really hard to understand. Agreed. I agree. Hey, um, do, do you have any evidence that these things start, uh, obviously these some of these things can start very young in individuals. Yes. Now, do you have any evidence that they start literally before birth or like in year to Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's, well, I've heard this too, so keep going. Yeah, so basically uh, some of these esoteric groups, the uh, Luciferians and the Satanists, um, they know the power of collective energy, and they know the power of calling in these other dimensions to help and calling in spirits who are wanting to sort of focus on what you call the service to self or selfish aspect. And so they will, whenever somebody's going to be impregnated, they'll actually literally have a ritual where people all stand and focus their energy on trying to have total control over the being that is being conceived through um, the Sexual Intercourse Act. And they will literally create all sorts of, and when a baby is born, they can, they'll, do, they'll do other rituals. So that the, the forming being actually energetically is affected by the collective energy of this group in a certain direction. Now, what I can tell you also, this may sound like really scary stuff, but the same techniques we're talking about can be used for transformation. 
And that when we collectively focus on every baby being born, having the incredible love and support of everyone in the community, that creates amazing new children growing up. And I think that's part of what you're seeing. People are slowly becoming more, it's, there are not just dark Satanist groups out there doing this stuff. There's wonderful groups who understand the power of collective energies who are doing great work to help build what I call a web of love and support around our planet. One of the websites... Hello, I just lost you. Do you hear me? Hello, I just lost you. I'm going to I'm going to hang up and I'm going to dial right. Hello. Hey, that's a I, fascinating time to get cut out. I just lost <laughs> you. So you were just about to say, to, to give the name of a website. We were talking about um the oh. uh uh Web of Love. Okay, so the Web of Love is the website. So so just back up a little bit and then and Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll just do the spiel I was just doing there. So you have to remember that in addition to these Luciferian and, and Satanist groups, there are also groups out there using the same techniques for transformation of our world to become a more loving, supportive place. Um, I have a website that's all about this. It's Web of Love, which you can see at weboflove.org. And here people are coming together to focus our energies of love and support. Ah, I lost you again. You there? Hello? Yeah, hey there, yeah, yeah, someone's on to us, yeah. So yeah, almost just doesn't want this going out, huh? Yeah, so Web of Love, is, you know, so I've got most of this here. So you were just talking about the Web of Love, which is trying, is a website that you've helped create that is trying to, uh, uh, you know, influence the, the, the collective good. Using the same techniques that we talked about that are carried out by the Luciferians and some of the Satanists, we can also create love and transformation on the planet. And to me, it's just really exciting. And what I find is, is that movement is growing rapidly as people are becoming empowered and learning of the power of the collective to create love and transformation. It's really exciting. And, and I mean, there's there's scientists out there. I mean, I'm just thinking of Dean Radin, for example, who could yes. probably speak very clearly to to uh, um, you know these these things that are dismissed. And, and are you familiar with a, another uh, doc, a scientist named um, uh, Rupert Sheldrake? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so both these characters are, are uh, you know, um, scientists. Not at all mainstream scientists, but right. they're, but they're, with the advent of the internet, um, there's a there's a sort of a leapfrogging beyond the scientific community, going directly to the to the individual. Um, or and the group in biology of belief. Um, yeah, there's amazing stuff and amazing groups coming together. Ions Institute of Noetic Sciences, founded by Edgar Mitchell, is doing great work in this area. And this is this is what's changing. So you have this one percent of the planet that I believe is aligned with these kind of you might what you might call Luciferian ideas that are all about control and manipulation, and they're playing this role as I mentioned to try to give humanity the kick and butt we needed. Well, we've taken that kick in the butt now, and we're forming all these groups and organizations like some of the ones we just mentioned, and we're making a difference now. And what you're finding is that even people within the Luciferian groups now are waking up that, hey, maybe there's another way to do this besides power and control. And I truly believe that those groups now are actually becoming much more fragmented and fractured as people open up to the, the love power that lies within every being, within every one of us. What I know is that every person in the world has a heart. And if you think about that for a minute, every person, no matter... You know, Dick Cheney, Henry Kissinger, whoever you want, they have a heart. And they have a place in their heart that just wants to love and be loved. 
And when we start moving with that awareness that, hey, we're all beautiful divine beings in our core, and supporting that divine core in everyone, even these Luciferian and Satanists, that's when the whole game starts to change and take on a different flavor, and it becomes really exciting. And I'm very excited about what's happening in our planet and how things are, are developing right now. Uh you know, I, I agree. There's 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 a there's a duality taking place right now. I see you know lots of evidence of people coming together, and and I also think it's very interesting that um, there is a uh, how to say this like so. I'm in contact with a lot of people who claim the direct contact experience, mm-hmm. and um, you, through through what would we would call UFOs, you know, whatever that sure. implies. Now all of them, and I'm going to say pretty much a hundred percent who claim the contact experience, all of them say something big is about to happen all of them have like a like a level of of anxiousness Mm -hmm. uh, that and none of them can define what it is some of them say what it is none of these people agree on what it is i don't know whether it's going to be you know like a global catastrophe or Mm -hmm. blossoming of a new age um Mm -hmm. but all of them say that something is about to happen and the the level of urgency uh, with with which they try to describe what's about to happen seems to be uh, accelerating, you know, with each passing day. So, so whatever's going on, um, you know, I, I, I just get the sense that it could tip either direction. Well, interesting. See, and I think that's what, in my personal opinion, that's what the rogue elements want us to believe. That, and I bel- literally believe that there is some programming by these people who are being taken up, even by some of the ETs or whatever, to believe that we, it's, there's an urgency. I agree and, completely, yeah. So I and, agree completely it could be based on nothing more than some sort of internal programming. So go on. Well, yeah, that it's natural for us. It's basically wanting us to to do something. And yet, I agree, we totally want to do something, but when we do it from a place of urgency, then that creates a whole different energy than if we do it from a place of love. And what I this is why I, I just mentioned my call for 11, 11, 11, and on December 21st, 2012, I think there's literally an agenda to get everyone focused on fear-based stuff around December 21st, 2012. And actually what we can do, all of those who are really wanting to join and inviting more love and support and empowerment on this planet, we can use that energy to join in focusing on sending out love on that day in a way that embraces all, including even the, the rogue elements. And so, and who knows what might happen, you know? Um, I, I'm very unconvinced. I think December 21st, 2012 could very much pass and we'll just go, oh, sure enough, it's just like Y2K, it's another day. And yet there may be a huge energetic shift and this is my own suspicion, a big energetic shift that is already well underway that will be greatly enhanced by everyone focusing their energy in these next two years on all of this so that um, more things will come out. We're already seeing more things being exposed, and those who want to know are going to be able to find out much more easily. So I'm seeing this as an opportunity for all of us to come together and really focus not on urgency, but rather focus on let's just be the love. Let's just be the connectedness that we know is possible between all of us on this planet. And that does not discount hard work. Oh, no, absolutely. And and like I'm in my own self, I'm having lots of challenges in my own life. But these are challenges that I welcome. I want to be challenged because that's how I grow. So like if we're just trying to be happy and peaceful and keep things under control, um, 
that's just life as it has, is and has been for a long time. If instead we say, I want challenges that are going to help me to grow. I don't want to be overwhelmed. This is my continual prayer to the universe. Uh, please challenge me in a way that I will grow continually, but don't give it so much that I'm overwhelmed that it ends up setting me back. And this is what I'm getting. I'm getting lots of challenges in my own personal life that are like, okay, Fred, what are you going to do here? What do you stand for? Both in my interpersonal relationships, my work on the internet, and it's great. I had a dream the other night. It's like, whoa, that one kicked my butt. <laughs> Woke up and it really got me thinking and making choices. It's like, okay, I want to do this. I want to be a force of love and support on this planet. And the more people that join and just living from that place, not worrying about the time and what's going to happen, but just using that date as an opportunity. It's like, let's come together and create transformation. And and I will give my own set of experiences here where I, um, on one level, creating this blog this website and now doing these audio interviews, I feel like I'm doing it from a place of, of, um, I feel like I'm being compelled by an outside source. Now that, that sounds, you know, almost sinister in a way, but you know, I don't know what, and that outside source very well be, may very well be my own higher self in a way. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any feeling that it also could be an inside force? Inside meaning like my own internal, your own deeper spiritual source. Very much so. That's but yeah, yeah. So it does. It feels like it's it's separate from from the sort of uh, you know day to day. Uh, your mind. It's separate from your mind and maybe emotional body. It's a deeper piece. Very very much could be. I don't have a good answer, but it does feel mm -hmm. separate. It does feel some like some sort of whether outside or inside. Uh, it mm -hmm. feels like it's a separate force that that compelled me or impelled me. And I've had t discussions with other people who claim you know the direct contact experience and they they say almost the same thing yeah it's a force greater is maybe the best way to say it. something bigger than myself but to me that force is both inside and outside of me i very much am in surrender to what i call service to all beings and that all beings is a collective that is much greater than myself. It exists both outside and inside of myself. And I totally allow myself to be influenced and moved and guided by that force. But I don't see it as outside of myself so much as it's an expanded version of myself and the universe. And um, and I just feel like the, 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 the information that I've received and the sort of... Uh, you know the experiences that I have, some of which have been very scary. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think they came in a way that was slow enough and controlled enough that if it came any faster, I would have mm -hmm. been overwhelmed, and I would have yes. like I just would have, I you know, it could have very well broken me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so in a way, I have to say that there's a force of benevolence somehow behind all this because there's something yes. behind all this that could have crushed me it could have overwhelmed me it just yes. all the information i had right now if that came all you know within a week i you know i don't know what i'd be institutionalized somewhere probably right. but it didn't it came over six years nice so, well and i think this is really important mike because i think people like you and me literally chose to come and have a human experience in this lifetime this time to be able to help people and i imagine many of uh, our listeners are the same way uh, we came here because this is a critical time and we want to be able to help people stay grounded and stay focused in their heart, in love, and in the bigger picture. And that in a way, uh, we are being woken up now because the collective consciousness seems to want to focus on this date of December 21st, 2012. 
And so, well, as long as they're focused on the state, let's be here to be a force of transformation at that time. And and I'm less concerned about the date 2012. And I just think mm-hmm. that that the uh, you know what I mean. It's a, it's a, uh, you know there's hard work that needs to be done regardless yes. whether there's a date on a calendar or not. It is, I it, totally it is agree. very interesting that there is so much you know uh, you know everyone who comes at 2012 comes at it from a different direction. And and some people can make their their you know th- they can be very forceful in 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 yes. convincing me that like oh wow I guess there's something there. Um, and you know though I have you know I I don't know quite what it is, but I do sense that, you know, there's a lot going on surrounding that date. Well, if I can just uh, make a quick side on that, because even people like David Wilcock, who I very much respect, is very focused on 2012. And what they, many of these people are being led to believe um, is that there's going to be some great harvest on on the 2012, yep, where all, yeah. all the good people are going to be taken off to another dimension, and all the bad people are going to be sent off to do have to live off a whole other cycle of incarnations to learn that it's about love. And I don't buy into that. I really do believe that this is something that even some very higher spiritual forces have been convinced is the truth, and I don't buy it. Um, if you look at the Law of One, like David Wilcock is a big follower of the Ra teachings and Law of One. And I've looked at those, and it's got some great, deep, powerful information, yet they're all about this harvest that's going to happen around this time. They don't give the exact date, but it's supposedly around 2011, 2012. And I just don't buy that whole thing, but even if people like David Wilcock, who's a very respected researcher, is really into this, you can see how they're spreading out this, and he takes it from a positive perspective, and I like that, but they're spreading out this sense of urgency and I just don't think there's there's only this moment always forever. And this is something that's hard for people to get. But it's this moment that matters. Yes, and that's that sort of goes back to um, Eckhart Tolle, you know. And yes. that's something that I, when I remember when I read his book, that, that was very, very uh, – it was a very – if nothing else, it's a it's a wonderful way to look at, at the universe. It's a wonderful yes. way to look at your reality, and and it, and it, ha- it plays a role in your day to day reality and your your level of uh, I guess happiness. Absolutely. Hey, here's a question. This is very. Uh, have you ever heard of anyone within these programs who played the role of translator, basically translating a different language, even though they didn't know the language themselves? You know, it's an interesting concept. I have not heard of that. I do have some uh, a number of people who were in these programs, and I've never heard anybody mention that. Okay, okay, that's just something. I one of, when I said I was going to interview you, I, I put the it makes sense out. though. No, it totally makes sense that someone could, for instance, speak Russian absolutely, and then not know it in their day to day life. Well, you know, you, you can go look up and find scientific studies that show that these people with uh, split personalities, it used to be called multiple personality disorder, now it's called dissociative identity disorder. Some of them, one personality must have insulin in order to survive. And yet their core personality, if given insulin, will die. And just think about that for a minute. One personality absolutely needs glasses to be able to see clearly. Another personality has 20-20 vision. This is confirmed scientific studies. And what does that say about reality? You know, so just invite people just, it's the, the best thing that we can do is loosen up our concepts about what reality is and realize that it's much more of a mystery than we might suspect. Uh, this conversation could go on for hours and hours and yes. hours. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that is, that just, like the, that, that just, I'll just leave, let's, we can leave it at that. That, that statement says a lot, just loosening up uh, our definition of reality. Um, I think that's, if nothing else, um, I feel like uh, after having gone down this path, trying mm-hmm. to make sense of some some 
personal experiences, uh, the simplest thing I can say to people is that my definition of reality is has changed profoundly because of mm -hmm. what, because of what I've read and because of what I've experienced directly. Mine too, absolutely. And I love that I have a much looser view, I call looser, more open view of reality, and I don't know what's happening, and I'm, I do want to know. And what's interesting, I'm getting more and more information, but the more I know, the less I know. <laughs> and that's okay, it's all part of the divine mystery. Yes, the, 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 the more expansive, when you peek behind that curtain, you realize there's a, you know, that like, the, Whoa. The, yeah, it's big, it's big, it's big. It's like it's basically a whole the ant, universe that I the ant like, like looking up through a special, you know, like, a, you know, a special little camera lens or something like that. And they, they get a glimpse of the giant reality that looms exactly. above them, you know. Yes, exactly. That's a very well put metaphor. Hey, I just want to thanks so much. This has been great. It's been awesome, Mike. I really appreciate what you're doing, and, and I'd be very pleasantly surprised at the depth that I feel both in you, in our conversation, and just the, the level of openness. And it's, it's a joy to just play and explore these ideas with you, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners, some, at least some of them, are having a good time, too. Great, and, and whether it's a good time or not, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's intellectually challenging as well as spiritually challenging to, to sort of to go down these, these paths. Hey, what mm -hmm. I'll do is I'll, um, uh, over the last few days as I've been prepping this, um, I've been reading a bunch of stuff of yours online. I've been looking at a bunch of uh, of YouTube videos and some audio things. I'll make an effort to link all those onto the show notes, so anyone who comes here can, um, you know, look at some of the videos and hear you talk about, you know, your other work. Uh, as far mm -hmm. as like, there's very some very interesting stories involving your work as an interpreter, which I thought were fascinating. But I no need to repeat them here. So um, sure. those will all be available for folks. And then, um, yeah, I would love to um, follow up on this someday. And uh, sure. And I may edit this out. I would love to, at some point, just talk to you um, about some of the issues that I that I felt there was no way I could share on this program that just involved personal people, and and so get a little more. Specific oh yeah, I'd I'd, I'd, lo I'd love doing that. That's one of the key ways that we help each other figure out what's going on because I'm sure you have key insiders and I do too that we can talk about stuff that we couldn't talk on the program. Uh, very much so. Okay. Hey. Um. Thanks so much. Could, have a great day. Can I just put in one quick plug too? Absolutely. Um, I just want to invite people to take a look at our Transformation Team website, which is at transformationteam.net. And there you'll find a free online course that is all about loosening our consciousness and developing what I call fluid consciousness, opening up both to some of the, the darker, scarier aspects of existence and learning how to integrate those, and very much to the lighter, inspiring, and love aspects of existence. And almost everybody who has gone through this course, and we've had over 200 people now, says it totally helped to transform their lives. Three people have said, you literally helped to save my life with this course. So just want to invite people to take a look at transformationteam.net and see if anything there resonates with you. Great. Thank you so much. All right, Mike. Yeah, and feel free to call anytime and uh, we can talk more. I'd love to uh, share some of my, you and my own even more bizarre personal experiences. Great, great. And and, uh, and I think that that's, you know, these, uh, the personal experience, uh, how to say it, you know, if you look at the mission statement on my blog, uh -huh. um, and I can't remember, I can't do it from, from memory here, but it does say, you know, like, you know, I, I'm trying to go down this avenue and do it in a heartfelt way. Uh-huh. Cool. So, yeah, in, in my, the way I've sort of uh, for my own sanity, 
um, gone down this road is that I listen very, very carefully to people's firsthand experiences. Yes, and then yes. Oftentimes they will, they will, you know, everyone, every researcher, everyone mm -hmm. comes to a conclusion and every, yes. none of the conclusions match. Not a single one of them match. Some of them match a little bit, but you know, so, so. But see, a lot of them do have overlap and that's what I'm looking for is the overlap. But when I'm looking for overlap, I'm also seeing is this picture that's being created being manipulated by some other group, which sometimes it is, or is it just a natural conclusion arrived at by the evidence we pulled together? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I enjoy listening to the the uh, uh, conclusions. I pay attention. Yes. But I tend to pay much closer attention to the to the firsthand experiences than. Yeah, I think that's very smart. Yeah. Great. All right. I'll, I'll I'll be in touch. Sounds great. Thanks Bye. so much, Mike. I really enjoyed the interview. Bye. Great. Okay, this is Mike. I'm chiming in uh, after the editing process, and I have to say that this this interview leaves me absolutely perplexed. I don't quite understand the implications of this, and honestly, I find it very hard to believe. That said, there's all kinds of evidence, uh, things people have told me firsthand, patterns I've seen. Um, I trust that Fred is doing the, the research to the best he can. Um, yeah, so I don't know quite what to make of this. Uh, whatever's going on, it, it certainly seems very frightening, and the implications are terrifying. Um, uh, let me also just sort of editorialize a little bit. Um, the, we talk about Stephen Greer in this. I think there's, he was very open about um, saying that Stephen Greer has a monstrous ego, which I believe is true. Um, afterwards, we did talk a little bit, which which that got edited out. It was a private conversation. I will say we both ponder the fact that perhaps Stephen Greer might be mind-controlled himself, uh, that that this shows up uh, in and around the internet. Uh, you know, it's the, the whisperings among people at UFO conferences. So this is nothing new that, that Fred and I talked about. Yes, Stephen Greer is a very strange character in all of this. Yeah, and let, I got to add, there's one odd little thing that happened during the editing process. I got kind of uh, stymied at one point, and I couldn't figure something out using the editing software that I use. is called GarageBand, and that's an Apple product. So I got on the 1-800 number, I called up Apple, and I was put on hold for a while. During that time, I continued editing, and then when the Apple technician came on the line, I just touched pause and put the uh, project on pause and um, you know we dealt with uh, the issues involving the, uh, the the GarageBand software. Now what happened when I pushed pause is that I uh, paused the audio at 1 hour 23 minutes 44 seconds and that's 44.984 so that is frighteningly close to one, two, three, four, five, and anyone who follows this blog knows my odd preoccupation with uh, the one, two, three thing. And if I get something that says one, two, three, four, five, boy, I really pay attention. I did a separate little blog post on this where I actually um, took a little screen grab of the time counter as well uh, as how it interacted with what was spoken during that little segment, you know, right where the one, two, three, four, five, or let me say the almost one, two, three, four, five um, was noted. And it came about when Fred said, what many of these people are being led to believe is there is going to be some great harvest on 2012. 
bam and it was right at that point that we had the one two three four five um, and I said yep I've heard that too then Fred goes on to say um, uh, you know he, he doesn't really buy into that you know the great harvest on 2012 so I don't know quite what to make of it so uh, you know it's a synchronicity I uh, want to pay attention to them and I have made a very real effort to document my synchronicities on this site for good or for bad some of them might just be mere coincidences but um, I'm not going to try to edit those I'm just going to put any kind of synchronicity that happens to me on this site um, so in summation uh, Dr. Greer's a weirdo and uh, Fred Brooks is a very impressive character that's kind of what I'm left with uh, I, I am still absolutely mystified by these reports of mind control my sense is that um, and we and we dig into this a little bit during the talk my sense is that there's something going on oh the only way I can say it is behind the curtain there are multi layers to reality something is going on that has somehow intersected with more complex layers of reality than the ones you and I uh, spend our daily lives in Uh, and and in doing so the issues get very complicated the issues get very confusing and the act of trying to unravel this mystery becomes even more challenging and and the clues that we are confronted with create a tapestry that that has elements that i wouldn't suspect um, i don't want to go beyond that because this isn't really my focus but it is something that's that feels like has landed in my lap in an odd way and when i say in an odd way uh, just the folks that i have met under synchronistic circumstances uh, leads me to sort of trust the universe that these people were brought into my path for some reason and i i guess i'm doing the best i can to try to make sense of their claims and beyond that, I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to continue looking into this. And, um, and any, anything that happens, I will quite assuredly uh, make sure that, that I post here. Because I just feel the information, uh, even though it's strange and easily dismissed, I think the information is very important. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Yes, and I want to thank Fred. So once again, thanks to you, the listener, and thanks to Fred for his hard work. Bye now.